Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. You know, everything we need, I believe, was given to us in germ form when we received the Spirit of God. He placed His Spirit within us, and there was something. And and as time is going on for each one of us, He's unpacking all of that stuff, little by little, unpacking it, saying, giving, showing us that uh, all things, He's given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Didn't Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Literally, the only life. I am the only way. I'm the only truth. I'm the only life. He's given it to us. The provision is there. No one comes unto the Father except through me. How amazing is your love? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Peter tells us that through Christ's divine power, he has given us all the things that pertain to life and godliness. This power is one of the resources of godly living that Peter lists in his second epistle. He then explains that God has called us by glory and virtue. These words in Peter's letter suggest the qualities of Jesus that attract believers to him. The Apostle John tells us in John 1 verse 14 that this glory that he saw in Jesus was his authority and power. And now let's follow along with Pastor Rob in our study for today. We're going to see the return of the investment. And it's a witness to God because he sees his own spirit in you working. And he says, I like that. It's a witness to him. It's a witness to him. It was a witness to Nebuchadnezzar and certainly a witness to those three Hebrew youths. I love this phrase. It says, a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. You've heard this before, me saying this, and I love it so much, I'm just going to repeat it all afternoon. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. I tell you what, those three youths, they trusted God, and God was faithful on behalf of them. And they knew something about themselves, didn't they? They knew something about God that most of us, including myself, don't know. Because when you're willing to take the ultimate step and actually put your life on the line as these guys did, there's nothing else. There's nothing left. But see, that's what boldness does. That's what the Spirit of God does in a life that is surrendered to him. You know, Willie McDonald had this to say. I love this. He says, When prevailing conditions are favorable, it might be easy to be a Christian. But when public confession of Christ brings persecution and suffering, then the casual followers drift away and are lost in the crowd. A religion which costs nothing is worth nothing. And faith which refuses to pay the price is spurious. It is the kind of say-so faith that James condemns. And see, that's, that's God's desire for us, is that we would grow in our faith and, and see every trial, every difficulty in your life as that. It's just God's way of showing you 
He's putting you on display. He's putting you on display. And he wants you to grow. And your precious faith is valuable not only to you, but to God and also to others. Isn't that what it says in Philippians? Uh, Paul said this. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. For it is God, again, who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So work out what he's got already inside of you. He's giving you the spirit of God. Work it out. But notice, you can't do that in the flesh. The very next verse tells us, it is God who works in you. Both to will, notice, first to will and then to do. Aren't you so glad that that's the case? Because if he first made me do and then caused my will to catch up later, I'd be really angry and frustrated. So don't worry about God's will. When, he's, when he wants to do something with your life, he's going to give you a burden. He's going to give you a desire to do it, and you're going to want to do it. It's going to be something like, if I don't do this, I'm just going to pop. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way sometimes? And something, i got to do this thing. I want to do, I, I, I want, I, more than anything, my, more than my next breath, I want to do this thing. And God is able to do that in you. And he does that. He first caused you to will for it. And then he says, okay, now the, now the hard part is done. The battle is over. The battle has been won in the will. Now go out and do. Well, that's easy. <laughs> the hard part is what happens in here privately that nobody can see. The battle of wills. Am I going to will to bend my will to God, or am I going to do my own thing and ask him to bless it? No. He will change your will, and then he will cause you to do it. And guess what? It's going to be powerful. You could do that in the flesh, and it wouldn't yield the same results. But now, because you're willing, and he's changed your heart, and he's baptized you, all of a sudden, big difference. We see that in Peter. Peter can speak before the baptism of the Spirit, before that day of Pentecost. Nothing happens. Now he gets up and shares that message. 3,000 people, folks, came to Christ that day, at least. And then more, day by day. You know, we are also encouraged because we don't always know how deep or what measure our faith is unless we are put in a place where we have to exercise it. You know, oftentimes we don't even know. But God knows these things in our life. And he puts us on display to encourage us, to bless him, to be a witness to him, and also to others. Isn't that what he did with Job? Remember when the sons of God, these angels, these demonic angels, they came before God, and Satan was among them, and the Lord said to Satan, where, where do you come? Or from where do you come? And Satan said, oh, going to and from throughout the earth, you know, walking back to and forth from it, in it. Verse 8, and the Lord says to him, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. He's on display. Look at him. Everything he does... And you know, at that point, if I was Job, I'd be like, thanks. Thanks, Lord. I was doing really well. I was going to play golf today. And... No, but Job's life was so exemplary. God knew the end, didn't he? God was going to restore him double everything he had. And Job himself would have a, such a deep relationship with God after this that he goes, you know, I've, I've heard you with my ear, but now I see you. And there's a big difference between just hearing and seeing and experiencing firsthand. And Job experienced it firsthand. He saw God deliver him, but he was on display. And he said, have you considered my servant Job? And see, God know, knew something right then that the devil did not know. He knew the extent that he would allow the devil to, to tempt him and to the things that God was going to allow him to do to Job. But God also knew something that uh, the devil didn't know, and that is at the end, even though Job struggled, he would not blaspheme God. 
He struggled, as we all would. But he was on display. He was on display. Let's go back to verse 2 here in uh, the first chapter of First Peter, Second Peter, excuse me. He goes on and he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord and Jesus our Lord. Notice that as a result of um, as a knowledge as our knowledge of God and Jesus Christ increases, the natural result is what? It's grace and it's peace. Grace because it's unmerited favor, we can never deserve it. And it's also peace. We have the peace of God because we have peace with God. We are no longer at odds with him. We're no longer at enmity with him. His nature by his spirit is in us if we are born again. And now we can have the peace of God because the peace with God has been settled. We have a peace with him. So now we can have the peace of God. Isn't there, is there anything greater than having the peace of God? Do you have the peace of God? Or are you still under so much angst and are you still under so much doubt? And is, is there still a cloud over your head? Everything you do, is there still a cloud? Are you still struggling? We all struggle. But even in the midst of struggle, we can have the peace of God, knowing that, God, I know you're working this for my good. It's like myself, you know. It's like finding, finding this tumor by accident was a, was a real blow to me because at the time I had to go for weeks not knowing what, whether this thing was going to kill me or what. <laughs> It took me weeks to finally get a biopsy, and then weeks after that to find out really what it was. And all that time, you know, I'll be honest with you, and you've heard this, there were a couple of days where just darkness consumed me. This is it. Because you hear about it all the time. And And I had to say, God, you've allowed this. I don't feel any pain. There's no issues with me. There's no, I, I feel fine. This is your business. Whatever you want to do. And you know, it took a while to get there. But God is faithful. He's faithful. Verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. You know, everything we need, I believe, was given to us in germ form when we received the Spirit of God. He placed his spirit within us, and there was something. And, and as time is going on for each one of us, he's unpacking all of that stuff, little by little, unpacking it, saying, giving, showing us that uh, all things, he's given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Didn't Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Literally, the only life. I am the only way, I'm the only truth, I'm the only life. He's given it to us. The provision is there. No one comes unto the Father except through me. In Colossians chapter 1, it says that he is before, or I'm sorry, all things were created through him and for him. Speaking of Jesus, they were created by him and for him. And notice what it says in verse 17, And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things we may have, he may have, not we, he may have the preeminence. That in all things he may have the preeminence. (laughs) But what about precious promises too? We're going to look at this quickly and then we'll take communion together. You know, in verse 4 it says, By which we have been given us, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Precious promises. 
I love that. And there are promises that we like. Precious promises that God has given. Let me share with some things, the ones that we really like. And these are awesome, and these are things you want to hold on to. What are some of these precious promises? I'm just going to look at a few. There's one in John 14, verse, uh, verse 1 and, uh, through 4. Jesus said to his disciples that night before he was uh, taken and wrongfully arrested and accused and crucified, there in Gethsemane or just in the house before then, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And here's one of the promises. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Here's another promise. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Here's another promise. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may also be. Another promise. Do you believe that? I believe it with all of my heart. He ascended. He's preparing a place for us right now, a place that we can't even imagine. We can't even imagine that where he is, we might also be. In the same chapter, in verse 12, it says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Notice, there's a promise. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, here's a promise. Whatever you ask in my name, and there is the proviso, in my name. Oh, Lord, I want that fancy black Cadillac Escalade. (laughs) Ask in my name, Rob. I want the black Escalade. And he's like, no, because your heart's not right in. I can't give it to you. Because the next thing you know, Rob, you'd be out there in your driveway with your uh, McGuire's polish. On Sunday morning, you're going to have Pastor David fill in for you that Sunday morning, but not you. You're going to be home polishing the fenders and looking at the chrome. It'll be an idol to you. It'll it'll destroy you. Can't give it to you. He could give it to you, but for me, he probably wouldn't give it to me. And I'm glad. I really don't have a lust for cars. I honestly don't. Um, I really don't. I don't think so, do I? I don't think I do. So, but another promise. Notice what he says in the same chapter, in verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Verse 16, here it is. And I will pray the Father, and he will give to you another helper. He's speaking that he may abide with you forever. Who is this? It's the Spirit of truth. It's the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells with you, brothers. There's coming a time where he's going to be in you, and then he's going to come upon you. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Another promise. In Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says this, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they heard, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Here it is. But you shall receive power. Is this a promise? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He was with you. He's going to be in you. And now on the day of Pentecost, he's going to come upon you. Why? To make you bold witnesses for me. He says, and the Spirit will come upon you, and you shall be witnesses, again, to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
And I love what he says in Matthew 28. When he gave to them the great commission to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all nations. Notice what it says in verse 20. It says, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Is that a promise? The end of the age. We are living in the end of the age. Is Jesus with us or is he not? He is. He is. And I love this one in Matthew chapter 6. When Jesus was speaking about food and clothing and shelter, all those basic necessities that we all need, he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Is that a promise? So should I be seeking the food and the shelter and the clothing, or should I be seeking him and his righteousness? Did he not promise that if I do that, then all these other things will be taken care of? Have you proven that in your own life? Some of you have. Many of you have. You seek him and his righteousness, and while you're not distracted, see, people get distracted about things. <gasps> I don't have that new shirt. I don't have that new, you know, and, and you get all weird. And God's saying, will you just seek me, and I'll take care of that. See, most of us haven't had to really deal with that. In some countries, they know this better than we do because they're really poor. And they aren't distracted by things. They're serving the Lord, and the Lord provides everything they need, the food, the clothing, the shelter. And again, don't let that discourage you. But live in that attitude every single day. Say, Lord, even though you've given me plenty, help me not to be so reliant upon it that I just I stop relying upon you. You know, God has a way in each of our life to create something in our life, to make something happen, to allow something to happen that causes us to say, you know what, money's not going to fix this. Nothing is going to fix this. And I love it when God comes through, when people get on their knees and see, we need to do that when the times are good, folks. It's easy to get on our knees and beg and cry and all that when things are bad. And we should do that. But do it when everything is going well. Get on your knees and thank him. Worship him for the good things. I want to encourage you to do that. But here's some precious promises that we don't like so much. But these are nonetheless precious promises. And then we'll take communion. Sorry I'm taking you so long here. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Yes, and all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I tore that page out of my Bible. I'm reading the, the, R, um, the RSV the Rob Standard Version. It's, it's not in there. Somehow it's been, it's been blotted out with a permanent marker. Yeah, that's something I don't like, right? I don't like that precious promise, but it's precious. Why? Because, again, God sees the investment, and it's a witness to him, witness to others, and it encourages my faith when I... Because if, if, if I'm not being a, a witness for him and I'm just kind of going along with the tide, people are just going to, you know... Pretend you're not there, but oh, you start standing up for the name of Christ. It's a whole different matter. In John chapter 15, it says, verse 18, If the world hates you, Jesus speaking, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my word, they will keep yours also. These are also great and precious promises. 
because they show what God is doing in us, the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in and through our life. And the truth will always be an affront to the world and the natural man. To the flesh, it will always be. But let's be about our Father's business. Let's be about his business and love the way Jesus loved and allow him to use us, to love through us. When we take the bread, we acknowledge that his body was broken on the cross. Jesus said, do this often as you, as you will in remembrance of me. We don't do it to be right with God. We are already right with God if you're a believer in Christ. But we do this as a means of remembering what he did, as if we could ever forget. But he says, do this nonetheless in remembrance of me. And you do this until the Lord come. And so that's why we do it. May we never forget the price that was paid on the cross. It wasn't just a man. It wasn't just a teacher. It wasn't some prophet on the cross. No, this was the very Son of God, God in the flesh, hanging on the cross. I love what it says in the, 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 one, the thing that we see on our Christmas cards so much in Isaiah. Uh, is it 6 verse 9? I forgot the verse. <laughs> but it, it's, it's the one that, uh, you know... Uh, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the world will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called what? Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son. His name shall be called Emmanuel. This Jesus is Almighty God. He's the Everlasting Father, equal with God the Father. And so when we take this, we recognize that the price was paid. There's no other, no other place that we need to go. And the search is over, folks. Everybody smile really big because <laughs> the search is over. Isn't that great? Have you tried searching for something and it took a long time to find it? Well, guess what? You've already found him. And he's already found you. Let that be the greatest delight of your life. And as we take the bread, just remember what he did. His body on the cross. Let's partake. And then Jesus also said, take this blood of my new covenant symbolic of his blood. It's not the literal blood of Christ. We acknowledge the blood of Christ, washing us, making us white as snow. Let's partake. Amen. Let's stand together and uh, we'll pray. I just want to encourage you this morning. Do you know how much God loves you? You may know that God loves you, but do you really know how much he loves you? You know, talking this morning on this, on this topic, and we really haven't even got into the real tough parts yet because we get into the, the false teachers and the false prophets and all these things in the, in the coming weeks. But, but in spite of all that, God, uh, he makes us aware of these things. He tells us in advance. Isn't that what a good shepherd does? We were talking about that a couple weeks ago and we were finishing up First Peter chapter 5 about what a shepherd does. And Peter now, and God through Peter, is sharing us these things to warn us of things to come. He's going into the battle before us, and he's, he's very much aware of what's there and what we need. And all we need to do is rely upon him to read his word and to take it into us. Read the Bible, folks. Read the Word of God as often as you can. Even if your understanding is a little bit unfruitful, you continue reading, you continue reading, continue reading. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Pray that you bless my brothers and sisters, Lord, that we would all fall more in love with you, that we'd all fall more in love with your Word, Father. And I do, I pray for the baptism of your Spirit, not only for myself, but for my precious brothers and sisters here this morning. Lord, please fill us and empower us. 
by your loving, gracious spirit, in whose name we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in Peter's second epistle. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.